Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Day one. Tough going. I think the minute you stand still is the minute you're dead. Day two, um, 48 hours done now. Uh, three full days down, 72 hours in. Four full days in and I wanted to get five. Uh, our five days done, sorry, going into day six now. Maybe it's been bred into me, but I've always had a, a curiosity to, to explore the world. Day 56, eight weeks, done and dusted. Mood is good, spirits are high. Day 43, done and dusted actually. Day 32, done and dusted. Anything and everything is, is achievable. Yeah, this is going to be fucking epic, man. This is only 24 hours in, and um, yeah, it's tough. My name is Damien Brown, and welcome to Deep Roots. Welcome back to another bonus Q&A session. This is a continuation of a lot of questions I got earlier on. And I couldn't, we didn't, I, me and Niall, um, the producer, we just decided to cut these into kind of 15 or 20 minutes. So, so if you didn't hear your question in the last episode, it should be in here today. If it's not, I apologize. I missed it somewhere along the way. Uh, it was not my intention. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the show. Hope you're enjoying the story and, um, profiting in some way from it. So first question is, uh, here from Stephen Wade. Hi, Damien. A question for your podcast. You talk about beating yourself up after eating the three Mars bars for breakfast. As someone who over the last few years has seen the value of a good diet, absolutely, and how it affects everything else, I would have thought that because you're burning so much cows due to the constant rowing, it would have been acceptable to horse three Mars bars into you. Uh, love the verb. Um, maybe even necessary at times to get through cows to get enough cows in, excuse me. Also, would love to hear more about the diet you ate at sea. I understand it's completely individual, but still would be interesting. Love the podcast. Keep it up, Stephen. Cheers, Stephen. So yeah, it's absolutely acceptable to um, be looking for those cheap um, calories, as I would call them, um, those sugary calories, especially like, I mean, I was burning, I reckon, somewhere in the region of 
probably 12 to 15,000 calories a day. That is irreplaceable, right? So that hence why I lost 28 kilos in nine weeks, um, which I think worked out at just under half a kilo every two days. Is that right? Uh, something like that. Um, so yeah, I would have been well within my rights to, and it would have been absolutely accept- acceptable to eat um three Mars bars or like those empty calories or those fast calories or whatever you want to call them. But that wasn't why, you know, if that had been part of my daily meal plan, if I had organized it that, you know, every day I had a Mars bar in my snack pack or whatever, you know, I I wouldn't have batted an eyelid that was put in place, that was planned. But it was the fact that it wasn't and it was a behavioral feedback flag for me um, that there was something up. What I've noticed, I think I might have said this at the time, so that was way back in, I don't know, episode, well, definitely day 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there just for Christmas. But that was just telling me that there's, um, you know, when I am not disciplined, when I am not consistent in my behavior that I have planned that, you know, has been taught through and um, strategized and prepared to bring the most out of me, that is a flag, basically. That it means that emotion is manipulating me and not a good emotion, a bad emotion. And it's what the flag says is I haven't been able to uncover it, you know, because we all think we're in control, but we're not really in control. Our emotions are, are controlling us on a um, an unconscious or subconscious level. And that to me is, a like I said, is a behavior of feedback when I am not self-disciplined, when I am not consistent in the plan, in the strategy I have set out. And that's why I kind of get down on myself um, about that behavior. So... Um, for example, I had these little packs of like hero miniature heroes and uh, celebrations that I put together, um, and every uh, seven days they were a kind of reward for finishing a week. So like it wasn't as if chocolate wasn't in there. Like I had Haribo in my snacks every day, and I I didn't beat myself up about um, eating them because that was part of the plan. It was when it's I. I don't have the discipline to stick to the plan. Um, that's when I get on top of myself because I know there's a negative or there's an emotion manipulating me that I can't um, pinpoint. I can't recognize. And I like to be in control of that because emotion is working against uh, me achieving what I want to achieve. And I haven't recognized it to that point. So I hope that um, answers your first question. The second question was, uh, hear more about my diet at sea. Yeah, so that was simply uh, six and a half thousand calories every day, uh, three and a half thousand calories of dehydrated um, meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the odd dessert, and three thousand calories of snacks, which was, you know, nut butters, protein powders, carbohydrate, fast, fast release carbohydrates, creatine protein flapjacks, protein bars, Haribo, Biltong, nuts and seeds, um, MCT oil. Uh, I may used to make this, oh, this mix of like, you know, you can get those nut butters that have protein, chocolate protein through them. Uh, so like a nut, 
chocolate hazelnut um, butter and then I'd mix that with a white chocolate nut butter or a um, a different flavor and then I'd pour in a load of nuts and seeds and goji berries and all sorts of like dense calories uh, good fats and then I'd mix it with MCT oil I'd leave it overnight and somehow don't ask me how but the, what I noticed was actually that the, it would all kind of melange and, and mix and uh, sink together and then I'd just get a spoon into that the next day and it was amazing calories amazing energy and it was absolutely delicious I think I ran out of it I'm sure in upcoming episodes I'll talk about it the day I ran out of it, it was a sad day when I finally went through all my nut butters that I bought, uh, brought, excuse me. And then, yeah, so breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then I brought a vast variety. I think I brought from about seven or eight different brands that make expedition foods, you know, dehydrated freeze dried rations from Mountain House to Expedition Foods to Real Termash, which is a Norwegian one, which is delicious, to Lido, to um, Camp Foods, to what else was in there? There's one or two more. Um, yeah, and some of them were great and some of them didn't taste great. But I, I brought a mix and I before I got on the boat, uh, we all had to kind of place them into bags. So I had bag one to day one to day 90. And, and you know, then they were all put in different uh, compartments on the boat. And I had a map of the boat and where everything was. And I just pull out, you know, uh, um, a bag every day. And that was my bag for the day, uh, my food for the day. And I just kind of, I shoved it into a corner of the boat where it was nice and safe and then when I was time to eat I'd rehydrate the boil some water in a thing called a jet boil and rehydrate the meal and, and you know get it into me uh, I know some people like to eat cold and save time that way but I, I, I didn't have that level of you know that was a time for me to rest and I didn't see the point in eating cold food because it was such a morale boost the food you know when you had a nice meal or pulled out a pulled out a, a, a daily uh, pack of food that you know really pleased you which there was a couple there was a nice mountain house breakfast where I only had about because mountain house is an American company they don't deliver to Europe so I had to get it sent uh, to a friend of mine in New York and he sent it to me so I didn't have a huge amount of their food and there was a breakfast that was I just loved like a egg and sausage breakfast you know if you edit now you fucking probably hate it but uh, there on the on the ocean it was beautiful and then there was uh my favorite meal was carbonara from expedition foods thousand calorie carbonara absolutely sensational um <laughs> and then there was things like i hated there was um oh what's that company they a pad thai they made and i heard great read great reviews and i thought i'd love it of course i love it you know i love pad thai um but i had one of them and i never wanted to see it again you know there was another seven or eight that are left at the end of the row so i hope that helps Stephen. um next question is from ian clark uh podcasted excellent damien how did you prepare for the loneliness of it all or was the physical and mental challenge so great that it took up your focus um so I'm good in my own company, uh, you know, very comfortable, spent a lot of time on my own, value my own company. So I never really was worried about the, being lonely out there. And that's not to say I didn't get lonely. You know, when I talked earlier about in Stephen's question about um, the emotions manipulating me, loneliness was a huge manipulator. Um, and I find loneliness works on a very kind of uh, hidden level and then it comes out in your behaviors and one of the behaviors for me is eating uh, chocolate food that um, I have branded um, off limits if you want outside of kind of treats 
and the other one it will um, uh, will come out in a, a different episode. I'm going to save that. So there's two behaviors that flag loneliness for me, and that's what they are. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Outside of that, I didn't. There was no real preparation around being lonely. Like because it was like I'm very comfortable um, in my own company. But I did have letters from home. I did have sat phones. I was able to text message. I was able to send little videos, and those videos actually helped a lot. Been able to the ones you guys listen to the audio of that I kind of build a story around, you know, making them ranting in some cases or just talking into a phone or reviewing your day or the kind of daily diary was was really helpful and became really cathartic out there. You know, I'd say if I had nothing, like if I had no sat phone, if I had no contact with the outside world, I imagine it would have been a very different experience. You know, it would have been a, a, a much lonelier and harder experience mentally. Hope that answers your question, Ian. So a uh, question here from Lorraine Curham. Uh, Hi, Damien. For your next Q&A, it would be great to learn more about how you approach sponsorship. For example, was it through people you know? Was it cold calling or proposals? Was there hundreds no's before you got a yes? And how did you sell it? Did you align it with their brand? Did you appeal to their nature, etc.? etc.? It would be great to learn more about that. Thanks. Really enjoyed the podcast. We met before your row a few years ago, following journey all the way. I can see a lot of myself in how you approach things. Okay, great. So, uh, Lorraine, I remember actually um, you guys coming to the house. So, uh, thanks for sending the question. I approached sponsorship. This is my first big um expedition and and first time i really had to um try and bring in funding uh that way because like i said i don't know if i've mentioned before the budget for this ended up in about 107 to 110,000 so it's a lot of money to bring in right um and i probably approached it arseways but what i did was you kind of got to build a bit of a footprint so i started with a website got that up there got um a kind of packages proposals together and then i yeah went down you know trying to went down a few different avenues so connections um connections of connections uh friends and family and who they knew and then cold calling as well uh, and there was a hell of a lot of no's and it's probably the cold calling way is probably a I mean, for the energy, for the emotional toll it takes on you, um, it's probably not the most efficient. You know, you'd nearly be better off getting a second job, I think, because it takes, there's a huge amount of time that goes into this stuff um, The that and, and the back end. And it's, it's very difficult and there's a, a lot, a lot of rejection. You know, when I approach these things now, I say to my team, you know, it was, for example, with Project Empower, I say, we got to get to the nose quickly. You got to get to the nose quickly because the sooner you get to the nose, you're eventually going to get to a yes. And there's that's the kind of ratio. It's it's largely um, tipped on the nose side. Um, and then you just got to what's your value? Like, what can you bring to them and uh, to affect their bottom line? They they're interested in um they have budgets to spend in this area but the budgets are there so they make more money on the side so what can you offer them and that's going to change with whoever you approach so it's about individualizing tailoring the packages to them um with you know their well their business their ethos whatever it may be um their um their brand their philosophy um how they make money how you see yourself being able to help them in some way or other make more money and affect their bottom line and and then you got to tailor it then you got to get to the right person 
And that's another big, big um, difficulty is getting to the person who makes the decision. You can waste a lot of time and you can, so you got to get to them as quickly as you can. You got to find a way to do that. Um, and then you got to get to the no as quickly as you can, if that makes sense. So I hope that answers your question, Lorraine. Let's see if I can get one more in here from, there's a question from Sarah Lindsay. Hello, loving the podcast. I'm not sure if it's a question, but I keep waiting for you to introduce Wilson from Castaway and how the two of you conquered the Atlantic. Did you have a pal in inverted commas or a comforting item with you that gave you a focus point in the dark and happy times. For example, my dog would be a pal to chat through things with. He's a saint in brackets. And I have been thinking if I were to set across the Atlantic on my own, what would I need just to focus the mind? Or maybe you have trained your mind to be independent of AIDS. Brackets not meant in a cheeky way. Uh, thanks for the... Um, yeah, thanks for the message or the, the message. Thanks for the question, Sarah. I would have loved to brought my dog uh, on the on the Atlantic. I don't know if he would have loved that very much, but I would have absolutely loved it. That would have made it a dream crossing. Um, I didn't have a Wilson. I know the guy, um, Dave, uh, who was on the boat beside mine before we took off. He literally had a a ball that he had drawn a similar face on and called it Wilson. Um, never really entered my mind. I think it's regular enough that ocean rowers do kind of mimic the famous castaway um, situation and bring a, a, a ball of some type or other. But yeah, it wasn't really, um, uh, wasn't really a, a something that, you know, entered my mind or thought I needed to, to focus on. Um, I was... You know, I'm kind of leaning on the last answer I talked about as well and just comfortable in my own um, skin. And I've become that way from spending time alone. So this was just another uh, opportunity to deepen that relationship, you know, to spend time on my own. And it was a, a these experiences are stripped back you know it it strips all the layers of life away and you expose corners of yourself to yourself through the hardship through the suffering through the discomfort through the difficulty through the chaos through the negativity and through the great times as well if you're that way inclined you know, if you're somebody who kind of works off a um a second tier consciousness who can who's able to kind of witness themselves and i i love that i love being able to do it i love the information it gives me because that information gives me control and it, it lets me um um gives me an opportunity to change things about myself that i see that i don't like and and that's been my process for many many years that i've you know now that i'm able to articulate but before I just took that was the action I took um, without kind of even knowing just because I wanted to improve I wanted to get better so this was just another option or another opportunity here to to deepen that um, understanding of myself through the experience of rowing an ocean and through the time um, spent on my own in my own company in that in that kind of in those environments with the demand of what I wanted to do and the 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 stress of it um and that's not to say it like there was times where i was lonely there was times where it was really hard there was times where i'd love to have somebody else to talk to but there was times where i loved you know experiencing all of that on my own and i would wouldn't take anything back you know i wouldn't change it for the world um because i just you know it was such an amazing experience to 
spend that time alone, that amount of time alone and learn and what it gave me off the back of it, um, you know, in, towards my internal exploration um, was invaluable and empowering and um, it just helped me along in that journey hugely. Uh, I'm going to leave it there for today. Um, I have, I think there's another couple of questions here that I found, but I'll leave them for the next episode. If you've sent them in, um, Peter, Pete Eccles, and um, there's somebody else there. I can't see it right now, but I'll definitely get to it. A um, couple of great questions there uh, from you guys. So, um, but for now, um, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, thanks for rating it. Thanks for um, your questions and taking the time out of your day to to get them to me. And um, I hope you um, I hope the answers um, gave you something. All right. Cheers. Keep striving for more from yourself. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 